Bye, buddy. I think there was one time that he said that I was his superhero. Just one time. Spider-Man has beat me out every other day. I tell you what. Well, good morning, everybody. I am so glad to be sharing with you today. And uh, I, I put together a little sermon here, but really it's kind of a way for me to talk to you about who I am and what I do at this church. Other than playing my guitar and wiggling around up here and having a good old time, um, I am the pastor of worship, and it is my job to help create an environment here where you might gather with us and praise and worship God to meet with him and hear his word. But to get started this morning, I need you to do a little exercise with me, okay? So let's get our laying our hands on the kids' heads hands out again, all right? So we're, we're out here, right? Now, what I want you to do is I want you to take your fingers and spread them nice and wide. Okay, got it? Now, I need you to come like a mini touchdown. Okay, we have mini touchdown. Then what you do is you bring your hands around like this and interlock your fingers. Okay, got this so far? Now, depending on how flexible your fingers are, the next thing you got to do is close your hands in on your fingers and put your Think, now, do you know, guys, does anybody know where I'm going with this? Okay, good. This wasn't just my weird thing my mom did with me growing up. Okay, so it goes a little something like this. I'll go this way. Here's the church. Here's the steeple. Open the door and see all the... Oh, that's right. Very good. I love it. I want to show you this morning this little exercise because I think there's something very powerful when God's people come together. The house of the Lord is filled with something awesome when his people gather together to praise and worship God. Amen? Amen. You know, you look really weird, and I know because I was looking in the mirror while I was doing this, when you just do it with one hand, watch, watch, watch this. Here's the church, here's the steeple, open the door, and what do you got? Nothing. So this morning, I want to talk with you about a reason we're here. It might not be the only reason you are here. But I think it's the most important reason that we can show up on a Sunday morning. And that reason is boiled down into this one simple phrase. We gather to praise and worship God in order to hear his voice and enter his rest. We need some rest, don't we? That's how I sounded just before the sermon. I'm ready for a nap. But we gather together to praise and worship God in order to hear his voice and enter his rest. How many times have you come to Sunday morning services and you've walked out of those doors filled refreshed and ready to go for the week? We don't just come here to say hi to our friends. We don't just come here because it's routine. We come here to be refreshed. I believe that refreshment comes when we hear from the word of the Lord. 
So if you have your Bibles with you, you can turn to Psalm 95. You can also follow along on the screen if you would like to do that there. But as is our custom here at our church, would you please stand as we read the word together? Starting in Psalm 95, it says this. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great king above all gods. In his hands are the depths of the earth and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it. And his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Today, if only you would hear his voice. Do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah, as you did that day at Massa in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested me. They tried me though they had seen what I had did. For 40 years, I was angry with that generation. I said, they are a people whose hearts go astray, and they have not known my ways. So I declared an oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of the word this morning. You may be seated. I don't know about you, but that psalm kind of ended a little harshly, didn't it? So I declared an oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. I don't know about you, but I don't believe God's a liar. Do you? No. When God says that he's going to do something, he's going to do something. So this is a, one of those ambiguous passages where we kind of like tinker around and say, well, God, what did you mean by X, Y, and Z? When God takes an oath, he does not break his oath. And so that which we just read in the psalm is something that should all perk our ears just a little bit. Because this rest that he speaks of, I believe, is something we should all seek. But I like to bust out my definition a little bit more. The definition of we gather to praise and worship God in order to hear his voice and enter his rest begins with this little phrase here, we gather. If you look at Psalm 95 and you look at the words that are used here, there's all plural words for those who have gathered. Look at this. Us is used five times. Our three, we, people, flock, you. These are all words in their plural form which are written to indicate that this is something in this psalm that we are to do together. What's about to come is something that can only happen, I believe, when we do come together. It's a powerful expression of praise and worship in God. And this comes to us out of Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4 through 6, but it is summed up well by Charles Hodge. He says, The church is everywhere represented as one. It is one body, one family, one fold, one kingdom. It is one because it is pervaded by one spirit. We are all baptized into one spirit, so as to become, says the apostle, one body. We gather here to praise and worship God, but the reason we do that and we gather as one is because God has done something miraculous. 
When we put our faith in Jesus, he puts his Holy Spirit in us. And so when I come to church and I share that little bit of the Holy Spirit that God has given me with you, all of a sudden it's like a double portion, isn't it? It's not like I'm just living out the Holy Spirit by myself. But as we continue to put together this, this work that God's doing inside of us, there's an energy, there's a force, there's a strength, there's something that occurs in the midst of his people that goes beyond words and explanation. The best way I can show it to you is in a word picture, all right? So I want to put up here a little picture. Uh, imagine that you're watching a football game on TV in your house, in your pajamas, all nice and comfortable. Now, how many of you are screamers at the TV? Okay, some honest, yeah, I know you. You better put your hand up. Yeah, okay, so there's some of us who are really passionate about football, right? I'm not that way. I don't scream at the TV. I don't get all worked up. I don't get excited. In fact, I typically ignore when the game's on. Full confession. Even Notre Dame. I'm not a Notre Dame fan. Sorry. I love you. Yeah, I know. Okay. Just, just so you know, I'm, my, your brother's being honest with you this morning, all right? But there's a difference between watching it on the TV and actually being at it in the stadium, isn't there? I'm not a football cheerer, and, but I went to a Notre Dame football game with Pastor Jim, and I couldn't help screaming and yelling. You know what I'm saying? I mean, there's something that happens when people gather together and they put all of their energy and all of their force behind one thing and make it happen. This is what happens at church when we gather together to praise the name of the Lord. You know, you can sit at home and watch TV. You can sing songs with your iPod. You can jam on your car by yourself. But when we gather together as the people of God to praise and worship him, our worship goes to a whole nother level. And that's why the psalmist this morning says, all of his words are, we gather. Let us come before the Lord. Let us praise his name. We are his people. The next thing that I highlight here is that we're here to praise and worship God. Now, it's funny that when you look at the words praise and worship, because for a long time, I kind of just smushed those two words together, praise and worship. I just kind of thought, you know, they're the same thing, right? But when you look at the first part, the first part of the psalm really is about praise. It says things like, sing to the Lord, shout aloud, let's come before him, let's extol him. All of these words are meant to be given the sense of high praise to God. It's not always what we get in church, though, is it? But when I read the com some commentaries on this this week, it says that the praise of God that is kind of represented in these words is much the same type of praise that you would hear at a stadium event when the people are shouting and chanting and lifting up their voices for their team. Does God not deserve our uplifted voices. It's funny, it reminds me of the joke, there were two kids at church, and the one had invited his friend to come, and he thought, you know, it would just be so wonderful to have my friend come to church with me, because I love it so much. And so they were both there, and the one friend was sitting there all quiet, 
and the friend who had come and had joined, never been at church before, kind of was rustling with some papers. His friend looked over kind of nervous. And then his friend looked over and said, hey, I really like the, the lighting. I like the backdrop here. His friend said, shh. And the friend, why are you getting so upset? Guy said, shh, 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 shh. He said, okay, fine. You got to tell me what's going on here. Why do I have to be quiet? And the little boy said, see those guys in the back? They're the hushers. <laughs> and they'll come and talk to you if you're too loud. I tell this joke and I, I say this because our praise, of course, should be reverent and our attitude should be reverent before the Lord. But the words used to praise our God, look at what it says. It says, God is the rock of our salvation. In other places, it talks about God being, uh, let me look here real quick. It says, he's our great king. He is the creator. His hands form the depths. God is so great. Does he not deserve the full throat and the full strength of our praise? The second thing that this psalm talks about is our sense of worshiping God. And to tease the two apart, I think of praise as what we do here when we sing and, and we, we, we give God the glory and we make that verbal. But worship really is about us positioning ourselves. Look at the words highlighted that are used in this psalm. It says, come let us bow down. Let us kneel before our God, for we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. There's a lot of words about position there, aren't there? When we worship God, what we are doing is we are putting him in his proper position in our lives, right? We say, God, you are God, I'm not. So your will be done, not mine. When we are being obedient to God, are we not putting God's ways ahead of our ways? Kind of goes back to that old adage when we, we talk about the team up here. We say, oh, that's the worship team. I'm like, no, it's not the worship team. Worship is something we do 24-7, isn't it? We sing praises here on Sunday morning. We probably sing praises while we're at home and in the car and on the radio. But when we worship God, what we are doing is we're saying, God, you are my God. I am in your flock. I kneel before you. And so worship really is about us positioning ourselves before God. So we gather together as God's people to praise, to sing his glory, to sing his name, to worship him in this time, to allow him to be God and who he is in order that we may hear his voice. Why are you here today? Why are you here today? Is this because it's just what we do on Sundays? We just come to church. There's a lot of people who think that's what church is about. It's just a religion that you do religiously. And you just come and you keep doing it and you hope someday to earn yourself to heaven, you'll get there and everything will be good. 
But we gather here to praise and worship God in order to hear his voice. Do you believe that God wants to say something to you today? I do. I believe he wants to speak directly to your heart that you may hear from him and gather strength. The best way I can kind of summarize this idea is, is this picture here. Have you ever seen one of these time-lapse pictures of the stars? These are pretty cool, aren't they? It's really not all that hard to do if you got the right equipment. And Dean Frick, I don't think he's here today. He could tell you all about it. But here's what happens. Somebody will take their camera and they'll point it at the North Star because the North Star doesn't move. And they leave the shutter open on the camera. And so in the night sky, all the stars move around Polaris, the North Star. And so you get this beautiful streaking effect with Polaris right in the center. I was thinking about that because when you look at this, it almost kind of forms like a little tunnel, doesn't it? And Polaris is way off in the distance. In fact, you know how far it is away from us? I think it's like 640 light years. You know what a light year is? A light year is the distance light travels in a year. <laughs> Pretty self-explanatory, right? But here's the cool thing. Scientists say that when we are standing on Earth and we look at Polaris, the North Star, really what we're seeing is Polaris 640, 680 years ago that has taken that long from the light of that star to reach us here on Earth. And so really what we're seeing is we're kind of just seeing like a faded image of it, as opposed to seeing it how it actually is. I use this example this morning because I think that's how we look at God sometimes. We open the word of God and we read it and we're like, these words were written 2,000 years ago. Can they possibly mean anything to me today? We read his word and say, God, it, this is great for your disciples, but what does it mean for me and my heart? I'll tell you that God wants to speak to you today not just through the lives of somebody on the pages of Scripture, but he wants to speak to your heart. And Scripture is a beautiful portal for that. As we read it and we wrestle with it, as we understand it, God speaks to our heart. God speaks to us while we praise and worship him, doesn't he? God wants to be heard. Now, we have to be careful. In Hebrews chapter 3 and 4, it says this. The Holy Spirit says, and what does he say? He says, do not harden your hearts as you did in Meribah, as you did in that day at Massa in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested me and tried me, though they had seen what I had did. For 40 years, I was angry with that generation. I said, they are a people whose hearts go astray, and they have not known my ways. 
So I declared an oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. In Hebrews, what it says is that the Holy Spirit spoke those words. Now remember, God's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, isn't he? So if God spoke those years, some 600-ish years beforehand to David when he wrote the psalm, and he spoke that in the word of Hebrews at the day that the author of Hebrews wrote it to the church for them to hear, I believe God still speaks that to us today through his Holy Spirit. That he wants us to come and worship him and not harden our hearts. Verse 13 says, Today, or be encouraged, or encourage one another day after day, as long as it is called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Again, he says, Therefore, let us fear if the promise remains of entering his rest, that none of us should come short of it. For indeed, we have good news preached to us, just as they did also. But the word they heard did not profit them, because it was not united by faith in those who heard it. God wants to speak to you today. And I believe praise and worship is that very remedy which softens our hearts and prepares us for it. But sometimes, whether we know it or not, sin is deceitful. Sin will work its way into our lives and wants to harden our hearts. So that way, when the Spirit speaks, we ignore it. I don't know about you, but have any of you heard the Spirit speak the past couple weeks as Pastor John was working through the Ten Commandments? Right? And sometimes the Spirit asks us to do things that are hard. Confess sin. To love somebody who doesn't much seem like they are deserving of our love. To forgive somebody that needs forgiveness. But when God tugs at your heart, is your heart hard to where you say, God, no, I could never do that. I could never forgive. Or is your heart soft when you hear his voice? The final portion of what I want to share with you this morning is this idea of entering his rest. Entering his rest is this idea, if you read the scriptures, of the people of God moving from Egypt to the desert to the promised land. It's the goal of their faith. Have you ever heard that song, Blessed Assurance? Of course you have. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Where does that blessed assurance come from? If we believe God is true and that he doesn't lie, that he's the same today, tomorrow, and forever, I believe the call to us is to gather and praise and worship him, to hear his voice, to enter his rest. The goal of our faith, the goal of our worship, the goal of what we do as his people is to follow him faithfully every day and enter that rest. 
God is faithful, friends. God will not abandon you. God can get you through any trial, any tribulation, any trouble. But he doesn't say life is going to be easy, does he? It doesn't mean that people aren't going to die. It doesn't mean you're not going to get fired from that job you love. It doesn't mean that person's not going to dump you or leave you. It doesn't mean your family's always going to look like what you think your family's going to look like. It doesn't mean you're always going to live on easy street. But just as those people wandered through the desert and were led by God, God provided, didn't he? He provided water from rocks. He provided quail and manna for food. God provided exactly what they needed, exactly when they needed it. But the threat is this. The people had a contentious and testing spirit. They never fully trusted God. They always grumbled and complained. When I read these words, it made me think of the parable of the good soil. You know the parable of the good soil, don't you? It talks about a farmer who, who sowed the seed and some of it fell on the rocky path and some of it fell on the thorns and the thistles and some of it fell on, what's the other one? Stony ground. And then the, that on the good soil. And when it falls on the good soil, it says, and the one on whom the seed has sown the good soil, this is the man who hears the word and understands it who indeed bears fruit and brings it forth, comes a hundred, some sixty, and some thirty. The reality is, is when we keep our hearts soft, our hearts remain the good soil for the Lord. And when he speaks to us, what he speaks brings forth fruit in its due time. It might not be today, it might not be tomorrow, but God is faithful. And if we keep hearts soft and open to him, we can receive from him the truth and his rest. Friends, we gather together to praise and worship God in order to hear his voice and enter his rest. I cannot force you to worship God. Nobody can. That's something that you have to decide to do for yourself. But I see it as my job as your pastor of worship to try to create here on Sunday mornings an environment that would encourage you to sing your praise to the Lord. That might help put you in an attitude of worship so that whether it's me or Pastor John or Pastor Jim get up here and speak from God's word, you would hear his voice. And you would have the assurance of his rest that is set before you. Could you help me with that? As I do my best to communicate the mission of the worship ministry here, would you help me make this a church where the praises of God are sung so loudly and so energetically that when those doors creak open out there, 
River Park hears us praising God. Can we live lives of worship, not just here on Sunday mornings, but through the week that people wouldn't say we're just Sunday Christians, but that we live lives of worship where God is exalted every day? I guarantee you, if we're living a life like that, God is going to speak to us. And when he speaks to us, watch out. Because he will do great things. So, the worship ministry here at the church is here to lead you in worship. And if there's anything I can do to help lead you in worship, please tell me. But I need you to come ready for worship. So that way, when we are ready to come before the Lord on Sunday mornings, our hands are full of what he has in store for us. And we will give God the praise and the glory forever. Amen. Amen? Amen. Will you bow your heads and pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for today. And I pray that it would never be said of us that we failed to praise you. That, Lord, our hearts had somehow become hardened, whether it's a lack of faith, whether it's through sin, Lord, that we would always strive to have those hearts soft and ready for you. So, Lord, as we go forward as your people, as you lead us, let us sing your praise ever so loudly. Lord, let us worship you with our lives. Speak to us that we may hear. And lead us, Lord, into your rest. I thank you for this morning. I thank you for what you've already told us. We love you, Lord. It's in Christ's name we pray.